0: OK, what well, I'd like to do this afternoon is to, uh, is to welcome Len Ferguson from Finn Franchise Brokers. He's joining us to run through um, a number of to- topics with regards to selling your franchises and particularly looking at how you optimise the value of your franchise when it comes to sale. This is very important in the preliminary stages so that whilst you're preparing your franchise programme, you're very conscious of what your objective is in the longer term from the point of view of meeting your customer, i.e. prospective franchisee, expectations in a competitive marketplace with the other franchises and other conventional businesses that people will probably be considering when they make that decision to purchase a business. Now Len got started in business very early in life, so I might hand over to him to uh, give us a bit of a background about his introduction to business and uh, and through into, uh, into
1: broking. Let over to you. Thanks, Brian. I suppose um, you know, I started out uh, when I was 16. I, I um, together with a gentleman in uh, in Country County, Victoria, we started up a video shop. Video stores were quite strong back then, and um, we sort of wanted to start a, a business that was quite, um, I suppose, very successful at that time. So I, I had a spare shop, I a spare shop, and I approached a a video store operator at that time, and um, together we opened up a like the, his second outlet. Danny uh, wish i had that was actually a pretty video easy days too i think so it would have been good to uh, uh, franchise that concept back then Brian. I was <laughs> <that was laughs> well. you were
0: so fairly early in the in, in the uh, in the scene then from that point of view and certainly got started at a very young age
1: yeah and no, i think it was uh, i sort of fell in love with this at that point because um what actually happened is i sold it and was able to buy my first car and as a young bloke you know sort of just just wanting to drive or getting his license, it was very important to car, So it was sort of, it sold me on business because it was able to, with that money, to buy it or the sale process to be able to buy that car. Excellent. Um, Excellent. From there I sort of went in various roles but always um, had an eye on my own business. I ended up working for Climate and got involved with them as a a franchisee. Uh, I was actually their sort of national sales operations manager, which we did all the sales um, with their franchise stores and um ended up actually owning one myself so the Campbellwell store in Melbourne was a store that I took on and operated for about 2 years um and um sold that at that po- a particular point in time so I went through that whole franchise development phase with with Cleanmade and and obviously they're now gone now but um at that point they were quite a progressive company and had some fantastic ideas and um, I found franchising very hard though. I found operating the franchise very difficult and um, at that point in time it was something that I wasn't prepared for enough as a young fella and sort of got out of that and into a company called the um, Stephen Finn called Franchise Point that was operating in Melbourne doing franchise sales. Uh, right. We tried to negotiate with him about having it to come up to Queensland and, and do franchise sales up here with them and in the end we just didn't agree so I came up here and started it on my own about, um, over 10 years ago now. Okay. See that time's gone fast. <laughs>
0: Doesn't it ever? Certainly been yeah. a lot happening in the franchise sector over the last ten years as well.
1: Yeah, well we've certainly noticed a change. Like when we first started in franchising it was when Boost Juice sort of really kicked off and it was a frenzy for franchises back then. We saw that, you know, we would we would gear up from you know, the Sunday the Saturday ads in the local papers and we knew that on Monday we would get overrun with inquiries. so we sort of had to sort of prepare ourselves on Sunday and I I remember a couple of occasions having a chat with Stephen Finn and, and saying to him, um, man, are you prepared for tomorrow? Because we're just, just going to get some with phone calls and, and messages. Um, so it was quite unique that you know, we had people lining up for franchises and we would actually be you know, virtually playing people off to buy certain sites. You know, um, um, That certainly doesn't happen anymore. The, the change mm. in the way people find franchises and look for opportunities, has certainly changed.
0: Just to go back one step, then you you actually then formed a partnership or, or went into business with Steve to form yeah, well Finn Franchise we, Brokers.
1: Exactly. Well, when we first started, we were we were sort of separate businesses. He moved to Perth, I moved to Brisbane from Melbourne, and uh, I started a consultancy called Finn Franchising. Uh, I started my own consultancy at that point in time, and Steve started his, but. We then talked about um, working together in a, in a bit of like a co-op where we would, just, we would develop the website and share the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so it evolved into that where we called it, we decided to call it in-franchising at that stage because it just sounded better. Um, and uh, we developed our business through that. And then um, in 2007, we realised we had quite a unique concept. So we started to develop our own franchise system. And right now, we have a franchise network around Australia with... Um, with brokers in every state, um, you know, selling franchises um, across the country. Excellent. And we now, we take our name to Finn Franchise Brokers in 2008. Excellent.
0: And certainly you have a high profile and a great reputation, so that's why uh, I was lucky to be able to get you in short that is to uh, join us on the call today. So, <laughs> please, excuse me, let's just run through some, some topics perhaps. Um, from mm-hmm. the point of view, I think um, the first point we'd, we'd agree was, Talking about marketing franchises for sale, so the comparison in the way it used to be done, perhaps 10 years ago, um, when you talk about the days you were advertising in the in the weekend newspapers, and what's mm. different about the way it's done today. So, yeah, perhaps you can embrace that for us.
1: Well, I think the strength of the internet has changed the way people look for um, look for opportunities now. Uh, in, in 10 years ago, the internet was around, but it wasn't as strong as it is now, and so you used to people still had the habit of looking for opportunities in the weekend papers. So most of the most of the business opportunities that were available were advertised in Saturday's paper, in the in the major city publications. And you would, um, if you were out for a business and looking for a business at that time, you would you would jump on that paper and you would find usually find what you're looking for. Now the issue that you had is there was always only limited opportunities in the newspaper. You'd only have probably you know maybe a hundred ads. And when you consider a hundred ads, you think oh, that's quite a lot. But today you've got thousands of ads because people search for their opportunities on, online. So over the period of time that we've noticed, is the ads, that, the inquiry that we get, that used to be all compacted into a Monday and Tuesday, are now spread out over the week, um, just throughout the normal week. And people that come through you are much more educated now than what they used to be.
0: I understand. So you, you're dealing with a buyer that's got far better understanding of what they're looking for and what the market is. Mm,
1: exactly. So where they used to see the ad in the local paper, um, a lot of franchise brands didn't really have a lot of websites back then either. So we would send out the that we get them into the office, show them the nice glossy brochures, and from that point of view, be able to talk to them about the opportunity. Right now, when we're speaking to a buyer that's actually done their research, once we'll they looked at the the franchise brand's website, they probably know a lot about that brand. So they come to us, you know, much more educated about their uh, what the opportunity is than they used to in the past. So that just changes the whole dynamic of the relationship, you know, the sales relationship that you had with that person because they know a lot more than you know you may think.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting, isn't it? So it needs a quite a different approach.
1: Much, much different approach now um, because you need to realise that they actually uh, have got the power of the internet to do their research and also they've, they've, they're judging you against a lot of other opportunities now.
0: Right, I understand. So you've, uh, you've got to hone your skills to make sure you understand that and you communicate well. Um, so, how do, you, how do you find, you know, a Fin Finn, eh, where you, you're extremely successful, how, what do you put down as the key to your success in managing to do that in, the, in a new environment?
1: I, I suppose we were one of the very first businesses to really embrace it. I, we went through that phase where I, I saw very early on that people's buying habits and the way they search for businesses was changing. So we were one of the very first businesses to advertise really aggressively on the internet. Like right now, we're Australia's largest advertiser of franchise businesses, we where the websites that we utilise, we're their largest client. Um, and I think that was born because we, um, we really embraced them, you know, probably six or so years ago, we sort of realised that this is where the future was going. So we had to sort of change the way we thought about advertising franchise opportunities for sale. So we embraced the internet, right, went right into it, and right now, today, I don't advertise anything in the local newspapers. Most of our stuff is all done uh, online. Yeah. And um, most of the major websites that we use, um, and there's dozens and dozens of them, but there's ones that are good and ones that are bad, we, we advertise on all the uh, major ones that actually have good traffic that get driven through to them. Okay. Uh, and that us actually generate more inquiry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. So, um, going on to the next point there, with regards to the value of the of the franchise from the point mm. of view of uh, what you're actually offering and and how that's done, which I'm no doubt has been impacted as well by the the, the new sort of paradigm from the point of view of promoting via the via the web and so forth.
1: Yeah. Well, we see. We when there's a lot of our clients that we work with, um, and we and especially newer clients, will be find that they. They, have, they haven't really worked out what the value in their offer is. So when we sit down with them and say, okay, why would a buyer choose your business over someone else's business? Um, this is where a lot of new franchise brands that we speak to stumble. They actually don't know how to explain what the, the benefit is of buying their franchise versus a, a, um, a competitive franchise. They know all the advantages of their business, but they don't know how that actually impacts against the, their competition, which is people selling other franchises. And we always talk to them about, OK, what is the value, value proposition of your franchise compared to the others? So what, why would they buy yours over the others? And I think that's one of the very first things we start to do and, and sort of as we question our clients, we really do find out that they they do know what it is, they just don't know how to articulate it.
0: Oh, I see. So they've never really done the exercise objectively sort of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. So when they sit down and say, OK, well, why would they buy your business? They're quite good at telling me all the pictures of their business. But that's great. But how do those features translate into a, bu- a benefit for a buyer and their family? So, um, yeah. so a lot of the questions we'll ask is why would someone buy you, take the risk, put their house on the line, or if if that was the case, and um, and invest in your business, invest in your franchise. So if you can't answer that per, you can't answer that question effectively. Well, you're never really going to be able to effectively sell franchises. Right.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, so really, really being well across those benefits, from the point of view of, I suppose they're they're really what should be rolling off the tongue, um, from yeah, a franchisors' yeah. point of view all the time. I mean, it's just it's just like a a basic sort of elevator pitch, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, pretty much, exactly like an elevator pitch. And um, and then what we do with that is then we back it up with um, we back it up from you know with actual information and um, and the glossy brochure that goes with all that information to give that uh, buyer. Uh, the feeling that they are actually getting involved with something that's quite substantial.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you spend time sort of working with your clients, um, nursing them through that process, I guess.
1: We do, we do. We sort of sit down with them. Like, um, if we're going to take on a new client and, uh, and they're looking at, and they haven't got any franchises at all, or they've only got a couple, the very first thing we'll do is ask those questions and then have a look at their... The material and the systems that they've got in place to actually bring, um, bring potential people through. Uh, in a lot of cases, what we see is they actually don't have a good system to actually sell franchises either, and that's that's a problem as well, Brian. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's got to be it's to be it's to be very fluid, um, mm. yeah, very um, very responsive from a time point of view, and yeah, and providing right. the right sort of information uh, to take people through that process. You might like to sort of d- describe your
1: Feelings or your approach from that point of view, uh, Len? Yeah, well one of the things that we do is, uh, like, we, we survey a lot of our potential buyers. So we, you know, we've got, um, thousands of people on our database now, which we're sort of lucky to have. So we sort of, in, we sort of survey them and go, um, okay, what sort of brands have you been inquiring about and, and, what were the response times like and what are all these kind of things like? And some of the most, and some of the biggest brands in Australia never ever get back to their potential franchisees. So a franchisee will make an inquiry to one that's a, a you know some very big brand and never hear from them again. Is that right? So mm-hmm. uh, and we believe that and that could be a situation where the system isn't actually helping them to respond. So one of the first things we'll do with our clients will say, okay, you need to be able to take these inquiries and be geared up to take them. So the biggest problem that you have is advertising, spending money, uh, spending money on generating inquiries and not respond to them.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It, sounds, it sounds really simple, doesn't it, Brian, like you, you should yeah. actually have a system where you respond to, you, to your inquiries. Absolutely. From our survey, a lot of them don't even respond, never yes. hear from them again. Well, I suppose if
0: you're out there and you're marketing efficiently and you pre- you, you, you're, you're making clear what the benefits are and you're responding effectively in a good time frame, that's good news because some of your competitors aren't doing as well. Exactly, exactly. So there's so an the opportunity pres- in the
1: market from that point of view, I guess. There is an opportunity in the market there as well. So one of the first things we'll do is are you geared up to be able to respond to these people uh, um, effectively and within and within a timely manner. And when we say within a timely manner, we, we would we would say that the absolute outside would be 24 hours. So if someone, um, the way we try to gear up our system is if they respond, you know, if they call our business, we can respond to them within a couple of hours. Right. Excellent. So, and it's usually an email. I think it's just an email that says, hey, thanks for your inquiry. We'll be in touch with you shortly. It's better than absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, and, and tell
0: me, the source of your inquiries these days, what sort of media do they tend to come through? Do they tend to come directly online by way of email response, you know, triggered from your website, or emails that people have, have sent themselves, or telephone calls, or... Yes. Yeah, what, what, what sort of... Um, where, where do you find they tend to dominate? From what
1: area? I, I think it's a mix of all of those. The email's certainly the strongest from, um, from websites. So marketing on websites is where people will find the opportunity and then they'll, they'll shoot through um, an inquiry from that website. Um, that's the majority of um, inquiries. that That's the majority of the way we'll receive inquiries. The next way it would be by telephone, um, where people will pick up the phone and call you directly about that inquiry. Um, as, as just as a side note, if someone's calling you, they're far more interested than someone that's emailing you. It's very easy to shoot off an email. Um, you know, if you're sort of sitting there at night just shooting around emails, it's very easy to do that. If they've taken the time to call you, um, we find that that's a much stronger inquiry. They're better qualified.
0: They've taken the, they've taken the effort to, to speak to you direct as opposed to doing it yeah virtually yeah. as a as a silent email where they they're not um, not really communicating that, that yeah, directly. Exactly.
1: It takes It takes a lot more um, effort to pick up the phone and call someone than it does to shoot off an email and ask a question. So providing... um, Sorry, Carol. So we we treat emailing... uh, Sorry, phone inquiries with much higher uh, importance than we do someone that shoots their emails, for example. Mm. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. I I must say, I'm I'm, I'm a believer in that approach. And uh, so it's always important then you, you very clearly show your phone number... On any promotions you do, rather than people have to dig around to try and find it somewhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because you want them to be able to call you if they can, and uh, and if That's they do call you, then you need to have your what we call your sales pitch all ready to go. So um, the last thing you want to do is have people call you and then you stumble through the through the phone call. Um, mm, mm. We relate this to someone that rings up and says, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, they ring up a, like a business and say, okay, what's your price? And if the the first thing the person that fails says, oh, I'm sixty dollars an hour. So as soon as you've answered that question, there's nothing really left for that person to find out. So so, um, what we do is we always say, well, that's what they're going to ask you. How much can I make? What is your price? So you need to sort of be prepared for those kind of questions and then have um, a way of, of taking that conversation into a into the next level so you'd actually don't give them the information that they want straight away but then you can start to build value in your um, franchise opportunity. So I stand the question we would ask uh, we would answer with is, Oh no I can get all I can get all that to you, but just so I can help you best, can I ask you a little bit of questions about your situation. Yeah. Yeah. So and then I would lead off with going, Okay, how long have you been looking for a franchise? You know, and what attracted you to this franchise? Yeah. Have you what other ones have you looked at that um, that compared to that you're comparing against this one? So you sort of ask questions like that, but then you've been talking about themselves and you find out a bit more about them um, and what they're looking for in the first place. Um, the sort of thing we know is that people are usually buying a business because they've got some kind of pain that they're moving away from, like they've lost their job or their income's um, not enough for their lifestyle. So if you find out what kind of um, reason that they're buying for, you can then influence that whole transaction you know, with much greater effect. You words, know, what,
0: what their motive is
1: from um, exactly. that point of view. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, that's good. That's excellent
0: intelligence. It's something that's uh, really worth being, paying a lot of attention to. Yeah, thanks very much, Matt. It's,
1: it's very easy to, because um, when, when a buyer calls you, they don't know what to ask. So the easiest things to know are how much do I make and how much does it cost. Mm. So, you know, as we know, you know, buying a business is far more than how much does it cost and how much do you make?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That is where having those benefits at your fingertips is, uh, is exactly. critically important. Yeah, and those exactly. few qualifying questions, um, and following a basic sales technique there, I guess, which is really getting the communication channels open, and um, yeah. and and sharing some information. So there's a little bit of empathy being established, a bit of um, a, bit, a bit of uh, a bit of mutual sharing of information, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's very easy to blurt out how good your franchise is, mm. and that's that's what you have got to be cautious of. <laughs> yes. So, um, but, uh, and we, we help our clients with that too so we sort of tell them that this is the way you should take care of these inquiries and um, and go through it that way
0: well I guess it's you know, it's one of those old adages, it's all about them not about you sort of thing yeah so it's, exactly, important to, exactly. it's important to, to, that they are very much involved in the um, in, in the discussion and so on yeah okay excellent um, so so timing is is important from that point of view and we can we can certainly conclude that and then You mentioned earlier about having a systemized approach to your sales Mm. and recruitment, and then you've got to implement that into your sales program from the point of view of, I suppose, you get in this phone call, for example, then it's a matter of how you process it from there. So uh, perhaps you'd like to add a bit from that point of view, moving them from an initial inquiry and how much profit do I make through to actually getting them into the, into the the sort of uh, sales channel, I guess, to uh, to process them and provide them the information. So, yeah, perhaps you can talk to that for a,
1: for well, a while. I the first thing you need to do is have a clear structure of how this how the sales process pre- proceeds through it. So, you know, and the way you could possibly do that to make it easy is you just draw a step by step guide on how you want the steps to go with um with this recruitment plan. I, I said, we hear a lot in Australia about um, franchisees. It's about recruitment of franchisees. You've got to recruit the right franchisee. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of businesses that were our clients, they go too far to the recruitment side of the fence and they actually interview this person like they're actually applying for a job. Um, we find that that's actually a flawed, a flawed way of doing it. What you need to do is you actually need a blend of salesmanship and also recruitment. So you start out by selling the business that you have Using those sales skills that you've developed, taking them through that process, and once they're actually getting more sold on the um, on the business opportunity, then you start with your recruitment um, techniques to find out if they're the right person for your franchise. So, um, from my point of view, the way we would do it is we sell the business, we talk to them about the business, we tell them about why it's a great opportunity and all those aspects of the business, and as we start to get them excited about it, then we start bringing them back to a recruitment phase and start assessing them from a recruitment point of view, are they going to be the right person for my franchise as well? Because um, if you start out by saying, are they going to be the right person for my franchise, you don't really get to know them well enough, I don't believe, or you don't excite them well enough for them to actually open up to you and really explain what their goals are and why they're looking to get into business in the first place, which is how you really find out if they're going to be the right person, I believe. That's um, interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I can give you a couple of examples there. I remember... When I was in, um, in the bedshed group, I, I sold uh, one of my outlets, which is in Fremantle, to a fellow who came up from Margaret River, wasn't familiar with, you know, with, the, with city life and so forth, uh, had been a plumber down there, fairly industrial. And I must say that on first meeting with him, I really didn't consider he was going to be successful. And mm-hmm. uh, so I wasn't all that particularly encouraging towards him. Um, mm-hmm. but he was absolutely insistent you know it, I always think of that as an example and you do see a lot of them he actually proved to be amazingly successful because yeah. he just had he, he was tremendous at building relationships with people um, mm, exactly. but uh, initially, initially if you made a, a, an initial assessment you, well i would have without doubt made a mistake so that highlights that yeah you're quite quite right I appreciate the uh, the process there you're you're really building up that little bit of enthusiasm, getting to know them a little bit before you start putting the squeeze on from the point of view
1: of applying too much um, of the recruitment criteria. Yeah, exactly right. Like you you can always go back, um, like I always say to our clients, you don't have to sell it to them, but you need them to be able to buy it. So you need them to want to buy it, and you don't have to sell it to them. But the thing is that if they don't want to buy it, well, you won't have to worry about anything else.
0: That's right. If they're in, the, if 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 they've responded to the wrong ad, then um, there's there's not much point in pursuing it any further and, and assessing their character, for example.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. good point. Mm.
0: Okay.
1: one of the key things you need to do is, is make sure that as um, at, when you're looking for a franchisee, they have documented down what they are looking for. So what kind of character traits they want, what kind of investment, um, what kind of um, financial backing do they need to have? And the thing about it is, is once you've actually established a formula for the for your franchisee, that you stick to it, um, and you don't waver from it, thinking, oh, that could be pretty good, you know, but they're a bit short in capital, and, you know, maybe we can work through with them. That, that's the surefire way of, um, of getting in trouble, too.
0: Yeah, so in other words, having some criteria, sticking to it,
1: um, yep.
0: and, um, and and avoiding being distracted, and, and I suppose, um, essentially, we're talking about compromising.
1: Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we've seen a lot of. Um, See, so it's very, very critical when you're a new franchise that your first um, franchisees are enormously successful. Yeah. Because um, if you're going to continue to grow your business in a competitive market like we have in this country, your first franchisees must make money and they must be happy. Um, and generally in that order, because if they make money, they're generally happy. we yep. be fine. It's a
0: good start. Um, yeah.
1: But, uh, so that's that's the key to it. So if you compromise and, um, you know, and take someone that you thought that, that, you know, wasn't quite up to the scratch or they didn't really have the financial capacity to really do it well and have enough to survive the early startup phases, um, it can actually have serious consequences to your franchise growth and development in the future. Um, because normally what will happen is if your first couple struggle or fail, they won't be happy and they'll be sure to tell any potential franchisee, you know, that they're not happy. Yep. Yep. Understood that. So, so how hard do you find it?
0: In the, in I mean, you work with new systems, with well-established systems that have been around for decades. How hard do you find it to match the right sort of person to the right franchise, Len?
1: Well, I think what we find is um, generally someone will inquire about a business that interests them. So, if they're actually inquiring about your business, they've got an interest in it. Right. Um, so, like, if I, I'm not going to inquire about something that I have no interest in. So the first thing that you do is you know that they're interested in your brand, they just need to know some finer details about the business. Now unless they're completely off the mark and they've inquired about something and they didn't really understand what it was at all, um, then that's a fault of, that's a pre-fault of actually then making the inquiry. That's a fault in the way you've actually designed the ads and, and sort of, um, and, and targeted your potential people. But if they've actually uh, inquired about it for your brand, it's actually that they, they're interested in it. From that point of view, then you actually flesh out that interest to find out that it's going to suit them um, yep. from there. And usually that's usually it's not that hard to do, because once they've actually shown interest, then um, you tell them more about the business, you go through it all, and they'll actually disclose to you whether or not they're going to be the right person. That's mm-hmm. what I usually find.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's helping them through the process, essentially, uh, mm. um, a, a, in, a, in a sort of a, a methodical and courteous and efficient sort of way.
1: Yeah, exactly. We sort of have this, um, this saying within our business, you know, courtesy, manners and respect. So you treat everyone with courtesy, manners and respect and they'll generally do the same to you and when they do the same to you, they usually open up and explain a lot more about their situation to you, which is exactly what you need. You know, you, what you want them to do is tell you all about their life, tell you about why they want to buy this business, tell you about how it will affect their family, all of those kind of things. And tell me, um, in, in in general business
0: broking areas, you um, it's still pretty popular to run what is often termed blind ads, where you're not actually giving the name of the business. Um, mm. You're more you're more promoting, I suppose, some of the benefits, uh, maybe the, the profitability or, or or whatever, or geographic location or something of that that nature. Mm. Do you use that style of advertisement these days, or how do you find that in the franchise
1: area? We haven't done them for quite a long time, um, primarily because you attracted people to the business that really didn't understand what they were looking at in a lot of cases we found, Mm. Like, Mm. I would ring up and say, what is the business? And um, then as soon as they sort of found out what it was, oh, that's not really what I was looking for. Our our, um, first point of qualifying an applicant is actually with the ad. So what you want to do is qualify the person that's going to call you, and that starts um, right right from the first words they read. Right, right. Yep,
0: I understand. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So if you're looking for your first franchisee, how would, how would you suggest uh, would be the best, the best method for someone to, uh, to adopt? What would be some pointers that you would uh, suggest for people?
1: I think they need to design what we call a sustainable and consistent marketing program. So what we see a lot of franchises do is they um, will go out and they'll, they'll write an ad in the local paper and they'll get no calls and go, well, damn, that didn't work. And then they sort of get discouraged and they don't really do a lot more marketing after that. What we're finding now that needs to be done is it needs to be a sustainable, consistent campaign. So something over a 12-month period, for example. And you need to, because people will, a lot of people that we sell franchises to now have, have first probably saw the opportunity six months, nine months, ten months ago. Mm. And then they've gone mm. looking around and they've looked at what else is available to them and they've come back. Um, and usually they, what the reason they actually get inspired to come back is they might see another ad or another um, a marketing campaign for it. So I, I sort of relate it to the the fact we had um I've got large trees in my um, yard and and I remember that I wanted to cut them down after cleaning the gutters one day and thought you just hate this job <laughs> and the gutters I'm going to cut all these trees down and I remember just re- just just after that I I had a flyer in the mail that was actually about cutting trees down so I, I actually employed that bloke but I know for a fact over that period of time I was actually getting heaps of flies about cutting trees down Now, I don't know who they were or if it was the right bloke or what. But in the end, it was actually at the time I was ready to make a decision that I actually looked. So it's very important that when you're selling franchises that you do a sustainable, consistent campaign that people will see over a long period. Um, Okay. Because you just don't know when you're going to find the right person, when they're in the right frame of mind to look and buy. Absolutely. Now, in looking at the... the, We've
0: been talking about the system, the process you use and so forth, uh, from the point of view of a systemised approach, having the right package and so forth. When it comes to the actual sale of the franchise and bearing in mind at the moment um, you know, there's a lot of talk about how difficult it is to get funding and so on. Um, mm-hmm. What tools do you find and what are the sorts of franchises that are, uh, I suppose, selling more readily these days?
1: Uh, it's a good question. I find that people are still looking at franchises that interest them, Brian, like in the end a lot of people have built a lot of equity up in their houses over the years uh, yep. when we had some boom times. So there's a lot of equity around, um, and so people, uh, have, can access that equity if it's, if it's a good opportunity to them. Obviously there's franchise finance too where people can lend against the franchise model themselves but that's not available to, uh, new franchise startup packages, that'll be. So what we, what we find is people will look for franchises that interest them and then they'll make the decision to actually proceed when the material that they see justifies their um, thought about getting involved with that business in the first place. Right. right. So, um, if you've got successful franchisees already in the marketplace, well, it's important that they actually be able to share their financial information um, in a in a concise franchise or package, where you can sort of see how that business is performing. Um, so those are, the, those are important things to show some financials for the history because that's, that's where the fear kicks in with someone. Will this work? Will this work? Will I have enough money to pay the mortgage? Will I have enough money to put food on the table? Sure. Those, those, those questions get answered by history. Um, yeah, you uh, mentioned there um,
0: uh, with regards to uh, ba- bank packages and finance which are available mm-hmm. to, to more established groups. Um, yep. What are the requirements generally these days from the banks? Um, I know there are two or three banks that are quite strong on that. Westpac, ANZ, for example... Mm-hmm. Um, what are their requirements? How mature do they need a franchise system to be before they'll start offering some
1: form of package for the, um, you know, for the sales? For the sales. Yeah. Um, what, what we're finding is um, they want about 20 to 20 to 30 sites, active sites operating, um, or businesses. They need a um, a track record of success within those franchises, so they want to see that kind of um, that kind of success from the individual franchisees, and the franchisor also needs to be profitable. So what they'll do before they accredit you as a what they call an accredited franchise system, which means they've done a risk assessment on that business to sort of see whether that business is actually you know low risk in their eyes, and then they'll lean against that franchise model. So what they'll do is they want to see the track record of successful franchisees. And a track record of a successful franchise, or
0: mm, okay. So reasonable, reasonable maturity, ready to be eligible for that these days. You need to yeah. really get about
1: 25 sites. Now the banks will always say they'll lend against any business um, as long as they've got security to back that up. To get security against the franchise model, you will need to have some kind of, a, a, you know, a good, um, a good sort of um, success, uh, you know, past. Um, what am I trying to say there? Success of the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with regards
0: to, as well, things like vendor terms, I've seen a few people mm-hmm. promoting these days that they, they offer, uh, some of the franchise groups offer vendor terms and so forth. So it depends on the nature of the business. And how do you see that as a tool and, and how practical is that?
1: I think that's what the growth will be with newer franchises. I think that newer franchises uh, that are trying to emerge will need to have some kind of inducements to bring people into their business. And vendor finance or, um, you know, franchise or finance, as we sort of call it, is, is probably a, a, an area that can be explored as a lot. Um, generally what we find is um, it's just the way you package it up and show that, um, you know, that, again, you've got to build value in what you're offering there because if you don't build any value in it, generally what will happen is they won't see value in it. So we, we find it's important to actually build value in any of those offers, but, yeah, we, we see them as a, as a certain, certainly a strong way to grow your business going forward
0: using the vendor terms approach and so forth. But at, exactly. the same, at the same time, excuse me, I guess you've got to make sure that, that, that they are making a financial commitment and, exactly. and so they've, they've, paid, got, they've, they've got some skin in the game, as the, the expression is.
1: Well, we sort of, we, the way we sort of do it is, we, we say it's like a 50-50 deal. Um, the way we sort of work on promoting it is that you just you to the bank. So if the bank actually was going to have you as an accredited franchise and offer the franchise, 50% secured against that franchise. Well, you replace the bank in this situation, and you provide that side of it. Um, it also depends on what your business. If you're a retail business that has large overheads to so set that business up, well, then it's not going to be as practical because you're not going to be able to open a lot of them. Hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah.
0: And repayment are they are they are they generally um, on a case by case basis? So uh, do you do you take yeah. it from their cash flow, or um, how, how do you generally uh, look at we that? They
1: structured just like a normal loan from the bank. So. Yeah. The way you do is you structure it like it's a normal loan straight from the bank, and it has interest attached to it. It has loan repayments attached to it. Everything as as you would be borrowing it straight from the bank, and secured against the business, and if possible against other equity. Exactly. So secured against the business or against um, you know, if they've got no, uh, if they're paying fifty percent cash and then and they own a fair large portion of their home, well, the franchisor would probably take their uh, take a mortgage or or a charge over assets. Mm.
0: So the scale of that, I guess, depends on the amount of money involved because it can, can, get, exactly. can get reasonably costly. But the point yeah. there is um, that would be the purchaser would be the one that would bear the costs for that from the point of view of documentation and legal costs, wouldn't they?
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, when we're looking at getting your package honed, ready to sell, um, what's your point of view from the point of view of the scale of franchise fees, the initial fees and ongoing fees, and how... how uh, how important do the buyers find those? What's the uh, what's their sort of um, assessment of them? I suppose.
1: Um, sorry, Brian, I'll well, for, on the well from making... the point of view
0: of the initial franchise fees. Obviously, yep. you know you set your own according to the according to the the, the business you've got, according to your your financials, um, yep. according to the model. But you're looking at the competition out there as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, how um, you know what's people's view of franchise fees from the point of view of are the larger fees inclined to discourage people? Um, or is it a lower fee but higher ongoing fees, perhaps uh, an alternative way of doing it? What's, what well, do you I find the, the formulas that work best?
1: What I find is um, I think it all comes back down to your value equation that you have right at the very beginning. So we see businesses that have high franchise fees and low franchise fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones that have high franchise fees have sometimes very happy franchisees. Um, I think it's the case if they're getting good value for their fees, uh, yeah. and they and they feel that they are, the perception is that they are. They don't, they actually don't mind paying them. It's where they're paying those kind of fees and then they don't see value in them. uh Allah, they don't make any profit mm. out of their business, and all, all they're paying for is fees. That's where the value of their uh, their perception of value is is actually tarnished, and then that's when they will want, they won't like uh, those higher fee sort of structures. But from my, um, my point of view, some of the most successful franchises out there have some of the highest fees because yep. um, the franchisor is actually much more successful and can provide much more support and much more um, uh, much more business development into their brand that actually makes everyone more successful. So uh, my, my belief would be don't be scared of the fees. Don't mm-hmm. be worried about the fees too much. Yep. Just make sure that you're getting good value for them or giving good value for them. Oh, that's excellent
0: advice. All right, Len. Um, well, look, what I'd like to do is just see if anyone that's online there has any questions at the moment. Uh, if there is anyone got a question, please, um, if you are muted, just unmute yourself with the uh, the star six, and, um, and please fire away, and we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do. Does anyone have a question at the moment? No questions? I must say, you've covered it fairly comprehensively. Um, but we will talk again in the future because I think there are broader areas and so forth that are of great interest um, mm-hmm. so what I'd like to do Len is to unless you've got anything to add in the, as, a, as a close from your point of view No, I was just about to say thank you very much <laughs> it's a pleasure well thank you we're, we're indebted so uh, I'd like to thank you very much indeed Len from Fin Franchise Brokers and we'll, we'll close the, uh, the conference there look forward to, uh, to speaking to you all again thank you bye <laughs>